wine off a sponge as I die on that cross. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. actually that's actually really funny. <laughs> deep lore right there. Super deep. Ten <laughs> percent of our audience is nodding. And the other half is just like or the other half. The other ninety. <laughs> it's like what? Woo! It's a morning cast. It's 90, gonna be good. Ninety percent. I'm running off of pure adrenaline of having to get up at this hour. Ah! What, time did, you, what time did you go to bed? You no, know, I actually went to bed pretty early. I fell asleep watching uh, the new God of War. So nice. I, I have neglected to watch Andor, but I went to bed early. What's funny is when you're so sleep deprived and that's your natural way of living, <laughs> maybe this is just me. I, my body like wakes up after five or six hours of sleep. So I woke up at like three or four in the morning and just kind of like drifted in and out for the next couple hours. And then I came here. But I feel good because I went to bed at a reasonable time. And you look good. Thank you. I don't feel like I look good. <laughs> you always look good. I also had a pizza last night. Which one? I went to Slice. Oh. And uh, which is just like any other, you know, build your own place. It's fine. You know what I think is like better than Slice? Domino's. <laughs> That's not fair. most other pizza. Yeah, I don't know. I just you ever feel like? Well, you feel like this because your life is driven by indulgence. <laughs> do you, Do you ever? You're like I want this. Oh it's like this isn't the particular thing that I like. It's not the best in class, best in slot, but it's the thing that I want right now. Uh, like yeah, you'll go to that's pizza how I port. Feel about, those, that's like, how I feel about Taco Bell and McDonald's. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't consider slice junk. It's just like it's whatever. But it's what I, I wanted I, at the moment. I think it's junk. And lately, my life has become so stressful that I'm just throwing all, you know, care to the maybe, wind. Maybe that's how I've been for a long time. Yeah, just so stressed, and and I'm just embraced the stress. But instead of you know doing anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just indulge myself in food to make myself feel better. It's the human way. And now this is a, th- a psychological podcast. Well, this is a very crazy episode. I don't even know how to begin talking about it, but... Neither do I. What we're talking about today is this movie that came out, hit all the indie circuits, and uh, has played very well. It's a long one. It is. Hopefully not this episode, but the movie itself is long. It's yeah. called Tar. Mm-hmm. Gabe really yeah. liked this movie. I fucking loved Tar. Sorry. And you know what? A lot I of really people, liked. we should say right after that, a lot of people really love this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And for good reason. I, I think I see its quality. <laughs> I think I do. You observed its quality. We saw a few movies. We've seen a lot of movies that we'll be doing upcoming casts on. We saw Tar, Banshees of Inishirin, and Triangle of Sadness. And there's a few more indie kind of hits floating around there right now. Well, we'll do podcasts on those, but out of all of them, I like Triangle of Sadness the most. So you can mm. see where my taste lies. Tar was probably my least favorite out of the three. Well, it's it's a high level of competition there. Those are all great. Triangle of Sadness, though, I just... Triangle was a singular achievement for, I think... No, it's... Your average audience. It's amazing. For, I mean, no, I mean, that's for, what I'm saying. For I'm multiple just, reasons. I think it's really good, but it's like... We, we, I remarked to you as we left the theater, I was like, we've never seen a movie like that in yeah. the theater before. <laughs> yeah. Pure, pure satire. Absurdist comedy. Absurdist, surrealist, I guess, a little bit. No, yeah. not, no, not a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, we're talking about Tar today, the new Kate Blanchett film Yeah, from Thor 3. Probably a better performance in this. I don't know. Kate always, she chewed the hell out of that. Hella. That's true. She chewed the hella out of that role. That's true. (laughs) She hella chewed it. Yeah. Yeah. But this, this role for her. It'll be an Oscar now. Yeah. I think, I think was outstanding and she held the movie together. If it wasn't for her, it wouldn't have been 
Yeah, it's uh, her movie. Yeah, this I think movie. It's one of those films Todd wrote it for her. Yeah. So wouldn't have done it without her. Yeah. Or so he says. You want to talk about the filmmaker a little bit? Yeah, Todd Field is an, an accomplished director, writer, storyteller in his own right. But this is his first film, actually, in I think 16 years since 2006's Little Children. I don't think I've actually seen any of his other films. I have not. You might recognize him. He played Nick Nightingale in Eyes Wide Shut, if you remember that character. Oh, love, yeah. You love that movie. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know exactly who he is. So he's he's done a lot of good films, but he took sixteen years off. I read, I don't know if this is accurate, but he wanted to raise his kids, so he yeah. took time to do that. Yeah, nice dad, and come back with a banger. Yeah, I I don't know when this idea began for him, but due to how socially relevant and topical this movie's themes are, and just the very nature of its story and the things that happen, uh, it seems like it it was birthed out of yeah. Um, the Me Too movement, which was like circa, is it 2016, 2017, maybe 2018? I can't remember. Around that time. 2017. 2018. So I imagine he, he began writing in that, or at least beginning the idea in that time. Right. Yeah. This is, um, yep. The script alone, I think, is an achievement for sure. The, the, the opening, second opening scene where she's being interviewed, and it's really just a, an inflation, like a puff piece for her. Mm-hmm. And she's getting to just chew as a character, not not Kate Blanchett, but her character is getting to kind of chew on her accomplishments and what she's done. That whole scene and how it's written and the subtlety there is pretty extravagant, you know? Yeah. The whole movie is extravagant. In fact, that's how I probably would describe it in a singular word. I saw a great video essay last night that totally out of the blue, but it's actually pretty relevant to today's film. Uh, talking about the subtlety of performance. Yeah. And just in that first scene that you talked about, you can see so much nuance in Kate Blanchett's character. Yes. And that's through the whole film. Yeah. And the journey she goes on is yeah. like, in my opinion, the reason I like the film so much, for all, despite all its other incredible reasons, is because I love the, the bones of this narrative, like the story and the journey of this character archetype, like the fall from grace. Yeah. Fall from such grace, heights. For sure. Is like, one of my favorites. It's like the it's like Citizen Kane. Why it's so great? Yeah, a lot of that carried into this movie for me. I I I really resonate with that. And as somebody who likes watching powerful people fall, yeah, I enjoy that. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> I I really enjoyed that this movie for that reason. I just think it could have been ten to fifteen minutes shorter, and it would have been a a perfect film. And um, because of the extra fifteen ish minutes, it kind of felt superfluous. For me, I, for these character piece, like it's like very centric on one character mm-hmm. type films. Like There Will Be Blood and what Daniel Day-Lewis did with that film is very similar. Yeah. This, this movie is very similar to that movie for me because it's, it's, it kind of centers around following one or two characters and, and it's held together by the, by the performance of that actor. Yeah. And I really like those movies. I really, like I enjoy them when I'm watching them and you, you have to sort of, you have to sort of like give yourself over to it. You do to get into it. Absolutely, <laughs> because it's it's not it's not shouting at you like a blockbuster film or yeah. like Triangle of Sadness did. You know. Yeah. I like the extravagant, sensational aspects of of something like Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, there's there's stuff to love in both. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, it not being for everyone. I in my second viewing, I I was in a theater at a more standard showtime at. Um, in the evening and a bunch of people walked out 
throughout the film. They of were just, tar? Yeah, they were just over it. And they never came back? Yeah, it was a lot of older couples. They're just, I, I don't think... Was it, it during the scene where she was like hating on the black kid in her class? Uh, No, not particularly. Just in the first half. That was a pretty divisive scene. Well, I think, I th- yeah. I mean, there's a lot of specific instances you could pull out that would bother someone, I think. But I think it turns just a lot of people off because you said it was, like you said, slow and very like... It yeah. really, really takes its time. And to jump off that, I would love to say that what drew me in, like because it drew me in, it was all because of the T word, tone. This movie creates an atmosphere. Tone. Yeah. <laughs> this movie creates an atmosphere that you can really sink into. And for me, it was perfect. So mm-hmm. well, that complemented like the character study in such a way that I didn't mind how long it was. Like I wasn't looking at my phone. I was just so fascinated by where it was going, yeah. um, what it was doing. Yeah. And I loved every minute of it. Like, even if it was a slower scene, it's like everything that comes together to make tone from the music to yeah, like the blocking, right? all the little things. And when I got to see it a second time, I was so happy I, I made myself do that because there are not only things that you catch the first time around that surprise you, uh, that you missed the first time around, but also there were little things I was looking for, like the musical cues. There's really subtle things they do in sound in this film. Yeah, and also little things like when Tar walks into her second apartment in the first for the first time. There's like there's like a ghost in her in the back of the shot that is just like facing away, and it's the ghost of uh, what's yeah. uh, the Krista, Krista Krista Taylor Krista Taylor is yeah. back there, and it's yeah. like terrifying if you see it. And there are there's like another sequence later that that lends it into horror, where it's like she's with her daughter and her daughter's like looking at something and then Tar looks at something, but it's from the camera's perspective and they never show like what's there. Yeah, I think I think one of the other things that maybe now that I'm I'm hearing you talk about it that I I went into this movie not knowing what it would be. I was thinking it might be more yeah horror or like a, a little bit more thriller, not thriller, but but suspense when yeah, it comes yeah. to. Mm-hmm. like a haunting kind of aspect of, of something. It definitely presented the, that way. Yeah, the way that it market was marketed in the advertisements and the trailers that I we saw, that we were like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it it just ended up being more of a, a psychological deconstruction of this person's life. Yeah. And that's great. But I was I think I was just wanting a little bit more from it. Yeah. And, and that's probably why I didn't resonate as much with it. But hearing you talk about it again just now, I can remember most of the scenes mm-hmm. because I was invested while I was in the theater. Like I was saying, I have to hand myself over to something like that. So, you know, all those scenes. I want to also say there's a large degree of intelligence surrounding this film. Just the intelligence that it takes to be able to speak to and talk about some of the world that they're living in surrounding music and history of music and composition composers, yeah. classical music works and, and all that kind of stuff. I took like a history of music class in college. Actually, I took it actually twice because I failed it the first time. <laughs> um, but I the second time I, I got more of a grip on it. And I, I know like a very, very, you know, in the background general idea of the history of music and where these works came from and who's popular today and all that stuff. So there's a a very large degree of um, knowledge that has to come with writing a script like this because it's, that's in the foreground while you're watching all the subtext in the background of these characters do what they do. But the, the driving kind of narrative is that she's a composer 
and she's a very prolific composer. She's an EGOT winner, and she's world-renowned. Did you did you you heard the mention of Hildur Gudnitir? Yeah, <laughs> Gudnitir. They do that a couple times yeah. with a couple different people and with with actual composers. Yeah, yeah. and it, I it's a fascinating way. Even things like addressing COVID, yeah, it really roots oh, right. the film yeah. in a time and place in reality. And sometimes I don't like that for this film because of the like what it's doing with right. creating a very real person. Like everything is about our present situation yeah. right. i guess our point in time and history i think it worked really well yeah and it was cool just to imagine like tar in a room with these yeah. other composers it's a fascinating character yeah but as i was saying just to button that up it took a great degree of intelligence not just in the writing and the directing but also in Kate blanchett and her grasp of the material i think everyone that worked on this film that acted in this film produced this film just did a, a massively amazing job mm-hmm. wrapping their heads around those concepts, those those pieces of information, you know, being able to actually stay relevant and say certain lines without actually, you know, dropping the ball, being noted as not knowing what they're talking about. Yeah. Todd's a really smart guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I there's there's a, a wonderful, like amazing degree of intelligence that I will never reach. And I... Well, don't say that. I think it's just amazing. Well, I I also just don't care enough about classical music. Yeah. Well, there's other ways to be intelligent, but I guess like like emotional intelligence. It it is a fun. That's (laughs) I, I love that point because it's really fun to look at this movie as just a celebration of music history. Yeah. And especially um, Mahler's work, which is like the whole uh, film revolves around Tar's interpretation of Mahler's Fifth, which is a great yeah you know mirror to. Yep. The tone of the film. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just, as we wrap up, there's a lot to love about this film. There's there's some really cool one takes in this movie or simulated one takes, like in one of those first few scenes where Tar is substitute professing, professoring. Yeah. At, I think it was Cambridge, one of those classes, musical colleges yeah, or something. Cambridge. There's this really long one take while she's talking about music to this class and watching so it's so easy to get immersed into that scene for me and just to to listen and i don't know i love movies like that that really take their time and some movies shouldn't be two two and a half hours this is one that worked for me so i could go on and on about why i love this movie but so kate blanchett here's to you winning your what is this third maybe oscar oscar i don't know we don't care about the Oscars anymore here. Yeah, we don't. At the TCP. I yeah. just want her to win it all. She's amazing. I win it all. I didn't realize. I thought she was uh, English. She's, I think, Australian, right? Because her American. I have no idea. Is so good. Yeah. What a gut punch of a third act, by the way. I don't want to spoil anything because we don't need to because we're ending the cast. But the way this movie, <laughs> the way this movie ends, is so simultaneously hilarious. Like the comedy in this movie is. Yeah, really adept, but There's, it's also just devastating. Yeah, There's <laughs> like the final great, shot is yeah. incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, like literally the way it ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could talk about it for a while too, as a point of discussion. But I also kind of like Blonde. I I just didn't really care about it. Blonde's not a great comparison for the achievement that this film is actually. But as far as just me not really caring, I it was fine. Like it was it was really good. Um, just didn't do it for you. Yeah, just was not my favorite. Like I, but I definitely think it could be a contender for 
an Oscar, you know, for in, in many ways, even for like best film. You know, I made that connection with Todd Field being in Eyes Wide Shut earlier. This film kind of felt a little Kubrickian to me. Yeah. And I love Which, Kubrick. Yeah. Like a lot. He's probably one of my faves. I need to see more of his shit, but... We do. We need to see... We need to have a Kubrick. We need to have a, uh, every, a lot of directors. Ick. <laughs> David Lynch. Yeah. That other guy? There are so many. Yeah. Too many to count. <laughs> All right. Well, here's we, here's some oh, music. Yeah. Hilder did the score for this. Oh, she did? Yeah. Oh, how funny. Which is very... Uh, there's not a lot of music because there, there's so much other music featured and sampled in this movie. Yeah. Like Mahler. But Hilder uh, compiled and comprised and composed everything, as far as I know. You saw Hilder live. I did. What yeah. a treat that was. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. she, Which was also, she didn't play much of her own stuff, but she curates a really fabulous uh, collection of music whenever she, you know, sure. does, does something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was really cool. We'll, we'll play something she wrote maybe for this film right here. Or maybe we'll play Mahler. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you want, kid. I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm excited. Okay, bye. Distance.